his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. You up. Welcome into BMAS and Beamer here on a Tuesday morning on WBEN. Joe is uh, not here today. You'll hear him later on in the afternoon, I believe, uh, here on WBEN. He'll be around somewhere. You can never escape him. He's uh, coming up later on. You're stuck here with me uh, for right now. Uh, and uh, I'm taking your calls throughout the uh, morning. As we said yesterday, um, I think throughout the week, anyone who has an experience, if you cross the border into Canada, you've uh, taken the test, you've done you know, one of these uh, many hoops you have to jump through, uh, feel free to call in this week and let me know how that goes for you and uh, tell other people what to expect. I think that'll be welcome from a lot of listeners uh, you know, today and throughout the week as people are trying to get into Canada. We're expecting this weekend to be a busy one, so uh, any time from now until then. You can let us know what your experience was. And uh, so, yeah, feel free to call in at any time, 803-0930 or uh, Volkswagen Vulture Park Text Board at that exact same number, 803-0930, to let us know how that is. Um, we're also, and I, I, this might be a show for tomorrow when Joe gets back. This might be, uh, you know, further down the line. But I am interested, if you go to WBEN.com, you'll see these uh, grandiose renderings of the central terminal of what the restoration project can look like. And you'll also see the price tag inside the story of $300 million. Now, this isn't a formal plan. Uh, This isn't something that has the funding ready. This isn't an ask of the state or the federal government of this money in total so that we can do the project. It's, It's more of like an informal idea. It's what they want it to be, what it could look like, after it's cleaned up and an investment was put in there to redevelop the central terminal building. Uh, It looks very cool. $300 million. That's a heck of a price tag. What would be the better investment? $300 million or let's say the state is asked or decides to kick in half of a new Bills stadium and that's $500 million. What's a better investment? $300 million for a redeveloped central terminal or $500 million into a new Bills stadium. I, I think there's a debate to be had there. there. There's a question there as to what would you would get the better return on investment of. Um, that, that would be very interesting to kind of hear. So if you do want to weigh in on that, you've seen the drawings, you can let me know, 803-0930. But, uh, you know, I also want to talk about the masks in schools, which I think everyone knew it was coming. 
Uh, that was definitely the uh, uh, way that it was trending. It's made for certain in Buffalo that that's what's going to be the plan. Um, individual districts, other districts are still kind of uh, making that plan. No real formal declarations have been out there so far. The county says it will come up with recommendations, but it's still kind of unclear if they're planning on rules that they want to implement or they're simply kind of releasing uh, some broad recommendations that schools can choose to implement or not. Um, that's a little up in the air. That's a, I, I, Even we talked with Larry Scott, school board member, earlier this morning in Buffalo, and he was unclear on that. But there was a small meeting, very small meeting, of some local school leaders uh, yesterday with the county to talk about some of that. And, and masks seem to be one of those things that I, I feel like for most students, uh, there's going to be masking in schools. That seems to be the direction we're heading, especially with all these stories out about the Delta variant, a new rise in cases. And today, I mean, you couldn't uh, everywhere on the TV, you know, alarm bells when kids in COVID alarms, alarms, alarms uh, going off, which I I hope to get a more clear picture of tomorrow here on uh, WBEN and uh, to see what the picture is in Western New York when it comes to kids in COVID. Because as we know, the Delta variant of COVID, it can spread more easily, I've heard. And they might want to, uh, you know, firm this up a little bit because I've heard reported in the past week, it's either twice as infectious or a thousand times as infectious. Those both coming from uh, respected doctors, right? Um, (laughs) Two or a thousand. One of the two. It might want to come up with a a more firm number than that wide, but uh, it is more infectious is what we've heard. But the uh, the impact seems to be the same on on students, uh, and that's what we're hearing again and again and again. And then you have conflicting reports. You're never really sure what to believe. So it seems like schools will likely take the cautious route, right, and say, well, masks in school are going to happen. And to question that, I think, is it does put yourself, like we've said, to question anything in an uncomfortable position because you feel like you need to couch everything with, listen, this isn't to say that COVID is not a threat to people. This isn't to say that it's fake, that it doesn't exist, that it couldn't uh, pose a risk even with the vaccination rates and everything else. But... Right. Uh, You have to couch it with all these things. So that is, I think, our third thing here is what do you think masks in schools? It's likely going to be a mandate to start the school year in your district. What is your opinion on that? Should it be a mandate? Should it be optional? And what are you using to back up that line of thinking, whichever way that you have it? Uh, But first, we'll go to Diana in Buffalo on the central terminal part of this, uh, because I am interested in what people think. Diana, good morning. You're on WBEN. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you for taking my call. I just want to let you know that I actually do live on the east side of Buffalo, and I've been there for 15 years. I am a transplant from California, and there are a lot of good people who do truly live on the east side of Buffalo. But unfortunately, the city is only as strong as its weakest link, and its weakest link is the east side. The city has never really truly cared about the east side and what goes on there. And I think that the money would be better spent there than on a stadium, which only a few people can go to 
maybe 20 times a year. The um, Central Terminal Restoration Project, I think, is a wonderful way to start. They did start on the Broadway market um, a couple months ago trying to do some work on that. But there needs to definitely be some um, investment on the east side of Buffalo. There's there's no way that the city can truly become a, a greater self um, if you leave a huge population of the city behind. Diana, I have always said when it comes to the Central Terminal, um, it, it should be restored. It's a building that you will never replicate in modern times because it would be so extremely expensive. No one would ever bother with the way it's built, how big it is, uh, some of the amazing features that are inside. My big question then becomes, well, what exactly is that thing that's going to help um, spur the surrounding community to follow suit, right? Um, You know, in this plan, it looks great. The drawings look great. They say they want this to become a hub of activity. And I'm thinking that's, that's kind of vague. To you, hub of activity, what could the grand, or excuse me, the central terminal in Buffalo become that would actually spur change instead of just dressing up a building and still having no one do anything with? The person who runs the Central Train Terminal Restoration Project right now, Monica, has done more to reach out to the community in that area than anybody really else has, um, with the exception of uh, Russ, before he passed away when he was on the board there. So um, she's coordinating with the block club. She's making sure that the east side residents um, around the terminal have input. So just by her starting to do that, you're starting to see some significant changes in the east side. Also, um, part of that area has recently been declared um, uh, historical. So you're getting um, some money poured into there where uh, the houses have to be maintained on the outside to keep at least their um, regular what they look like, you know, um, 100 years ago when they were first built. And like I said, the Broadway market is starting to um, recoup and look better on the outside, so hopefully more people will start coming there more often. But also you need to get a stronger police presence in that neighborhood. C District, you know, likes to walk around the Broadway market and pretend that, you know, everything is good and glorious there, but you don't see them walking down the side streets to help. You have to make you know, a dozen calls to 911 to actually get somebody to come into the neighborhood to take care of some of the issues. But um, so there's lots of little things that can be done that start to equal and get the ball rolling into better and bigger things. But like I said, um, the city's only as strong as its weakest link, and the city has always made sure that the east side has been sort of kept down and underneath. Um, the east side, you know, a uh, hundred plus years ago was the last one to actually get phone service and phone books with their names actually in it. So the city is completely for, you know, as long as I can remember. And then some not given a rat's furry behind about the east side. And I think that it's now time for them to start doing it. Hey, I appreciate the perspective, Diana. Appreciate the call. Um, and, you know, I'm, to further your point, 100 years later, I hope you're still getting phone books because uh, there's some areas that don't have 
internet connectivity whatsoever. So you still need them, uh, even in 2021. But Diana, appreciate the perspective, and I, I I'm color me skeptical when it comes to the central terminal. I, I love the idea of it being restored. I, I just feel like there needs to be maybe a little bit more of a plan in place before the investment is made. Uh, when it comes to that. And as we mentioned, I mean, we're jumping all over the place today. Uh, any other thoughts on the central terminal, whether that is the good investment or not, you can keep them coming. But we're also, this idea of masks in schools, we're, we're getting confirmation as we get closer and closer to the school year. We're less than a month out right now. Ryan is on WBEN. I know that uh, you wanted to talk about this. Uh, what are you thinking when it comes to the upcoming school year? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'm, a, I'm an elected school board member at a, a local school board here uh, in western New York. And here, my, my personal view on this thing, and, and I think it's founded in, in science and data, is that, uh, you know, people want to wear masks, they can wear masks. If they don't, they shouldn't have to. And I think there's studies on both sides of the issue that, can, that people can point to. But here, here's the thing I think is the most important thing. I think parents will see this happen over the course of the next couple of weeks. You, you know, I'll give the, the government, I'm using air quotes, the government, some credit here the second go around because I think they learned their lesson the first time, which is you can't executive order your way to kill a virus. I mean, this thing is going to spread as it spreads. So you're seeing the second go around. The governor, the state health department, state education, all these people are kicking the can down to the local districts, which I do believe makes sense. Here's going to be the key. Erie County today still has the authority because there's a declared state of emergency that still exists in Erie County, although there's not one in the state, still has the authority to mandate districts actually have a mask requirement. Um, my understanding is, is they're, they're likely not going to do that. They'll strongly recommend. And in the course of doing that, if you're a local district and you've got your quote-unquote health experts not mandating something but suggesting it, who, who, who is it that is going to step up and say, well, then we as educators or trustees are going to require it. In other words, if you have to, quote, trust the science, if your own state and county health departments are not going to require it, I just don't see how it is that non-medical folks are going to then usurp that and make their own determination. Well, Ryan, let me pose this to you, because this, I think, is the biggest part of this entire question and this entire debate, and it's what I've been thinking about the whole time, is when does the power shift back for parents in a given community to make decisions for their children. And I think that is the big issue, whether it's masking or any other COVID rule or restriction on students. So uh, you're mentioning the health experts, and you know, sure, that's one part of the equation that we're looking to, uh, but, I mean, isn't it as simple as well, gauging what the community feels? What do parents within that given district feel would be the right move is it a recommendation is it a mandate and we take that information and run with it because it's, it's parents who should be making the decision that's right now you bring up a great point and, and and i would say this to all the parents out there i mean yes there are these organized groups around unmasking children and they they generally flood uh boards of education's inboxes and and you know it, it comes through as a, a a group email of sorts they're they're not as effective as just the grassroots parents who want to say hey, we should do this or we should do that. I would encourage all parents, you're coming up here in, in, in the next week or two for, for most all districts across Western New York with the final public meeting before a decision gets made. So to your point, Brian, the, the, the key here is to make your voice heard through emails, make your voice heard through showing up at public meetings and having public comment. 
because that is something that has to be uh, taken into account. However, unfortunately, there is this apathy that exists that, well, either A, it's already a foregone conclusion, so why bother? That's not the case. I think if there's enough pressure brought to bear that says these should be optional, and I think you're going to see some districts around, around western New York that that is, that is going to happen. You're going to see enough parents show up and make the case. So um, the, the difference today versus a year ago is that there are no executive orders today. So parents truly do hold the key to this, to the degree that the superintendents or boards of education are going to take heed and listen to them, which I think most would. Uh, but in the absence of it, you, you know, everybody's going to take the easy route. You know, when, when, when you go talk, not you or anybody else, but when, when boards of education or superintendents go and seek out advice from the Erie County Department of Health, of course you know what you're going to hear, which is we think you should do this. Um, so that's one aspect. But we really need these communities to step up and, and to say what they believe. So I think that my point is, is that it's not a foregone conclusion. People should remain active here over the next couple of weeks because there is one more public meeting that's generally going to happen. I think people need to understand that. And the other thing is it's highly likely that uh, the Erie County Department of Health, even though they have the power to do it, are not going to make sure are not going to mandate that schools do it. And so health departments that aren't going to mandate it really puts a lot of districts in a bind to say, how are we then, how are we now the experts to come in over top of them and say, well, we're going to mandate it. I think you're going to see that several districts aren't going to do that. They're going to make it optional, and, and I think that's what it should be. Well, hey, I appreciate the call and definitely the insight as to how these decisions are being made right now, and I think a lot of parents appreciate that as well. Ryan, thanks so much, um, and that is somebody who's on a local school board. I, I When it comes to making that decision, I, I think that Parents might be in the best position to do that. Why? Well, they're not health experts, I know, and it's tough to question doctors. And, you know, how can you question this? It's what's best. It's what the doctors say. It's what, you know, all of our leading experts say. But parents are able to take into consideration what the doctors say and also take into consideration what you're seeing inside your house that, you know, whether it's Dr. Burstein, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Russo, Dr. It could be anyone you respect. Don't anyone you don't respect that much, but it could be the advice of anybody. And all those people have a great insight into the virus itself, have great insight in their fields, but they don't have insight into your home. And they don't have insight into how things might affect each individual child. And at the end of the day, you are that advocate for your child. And if you listen to someone like uh, Ryan right there, he's encouraging you. I mean, there is a tremendous, and I see this as uh, the husband of a teacher, that there is a tremendous sense of apathy. And he mentioned it there in, in parents across, it doesn't matter what district we're talking about, just across the country probably. And, you know, they're going to decide whatever. I It doesn't matter what I do anything. We'll just uh, go with what. No, that's not necessarily the case. If you're passionate, if you feel that something's right, or if you feel you can bring a different perspective or something that should be thought about, then it's your responsibility to do it. Uh, one, to make sure that concern is being heard. Um, if not two, to make sure that people on the board know that it's not just some outside group like Ryan mentioned. It's not some group that goes from district to district shouting unmask our kids, which whether you agree or disagree with that, I, I don't know if that's necessarily helping things. Uh, you're, are you really advocating for those children? You don't know those children. 
you're advocating for a cause. And I think when people hear from the ones who the decision is actually impacting, that can make a little bit of a difference. And it is only the parents. It is only people who are in these local communities who will be able to see the actual impact and the actual situation as it's going on right now, whether that be in a child's behavior, whether that be how somebody deals with the mask, um, and all these different, what you hear from individual teachers. I mean, if you don't think it's entirely possible that one school could have no problem teaching with masks on and another school has a lot of problems teaching with masks on, of course that can be the case. No two schools are the same, which is why a local decision is not a terrible idea, even if it might not be totally in line with what you hear on a national cable news uh, channel late at night. Because they don't know your kids, they don't know your community, they probably don't even know how to pronounce uh, the name of your town. It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now, Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back. Beamaz and Beamer, just uh, me hanging out with you. Brian Mazarowski here on WBEN for uh, the remainder of our show today. Uh, we're talking about a few things. We were uh, mentioning the Central Terminal, the plans for that. You can see them over at WBEN.com, and that's a conversation I'm interested in continuing. And we're also talking about masks in schools and what is likely to happen at the beginning of the school year. We're starting to kind of hear these plans now, which is uh, good to have. School starts in less than a month for a lot of kids throughout there. Um, and someone chiming in on our text board, 803-0930, if you want to get your thoughts in, either by giving us a call or by sending us a text on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, uh, saying, oh, let's see what happens in the South as soon as they open soon, you know, when it comes to masks in schools. And, you know, I, I struggle with this because I, I think it's, you know, at one point, yes, at one point, no, right? Um, where I, I think for... A long time, maybe it was feasible to look at other areas of the country and be able to totally say that what applied there can, you know, apply somewhere else. But with the vaccination picture, I think that clouds things up just a little bit, right? Because what we know from the areas where you're seeing these big spikes is they're generally the areas with lower vaccination rates. So if you're going to compare what happens in a school where there's, you know, a 40% vaccination rate to what might happen where there's a 60%, I I mean, that's a big difference. I don't know if you can really compare the two equally because uh, the picture is going to look a little bit different. So while I think you can take some lessons and you can take some lessons from schools throughout, including schools across the world who uh, never went masks, never closed schools in other areas of the world, Um, I don't know if you want to draw direct comparisons and attach everything that you're going to do to what happens in a different area of the country. Um, But but I do think that it is okay to question this. And there is a reluctance by people to question what a health expert says. And I mean, now, especially over the last two days, you're being hit over the head uh, more and more and more. And the uh, headlines are all about kids and it's, a, you know, more kids are, and I'm always leery of what I see in the headlines, and I'm reading some of these articles, and they're just too vague for me to pay attention to. And the language is too persuasive 
for me to take seriously as a straight news story, right? I, I mean, the New York Times headline. What's the headline? It starts with, this is scary. That's part of the headline. I don't care if it's in quotes. I mean, the, it's for me to determine, right? The person reading whether or not this is scary or not. You don't tell me right off the bat, this is scary. This is how you feel about what you're about to read. And that's how a lot of these things are positioned. And, and it's a big reason why fewer and fewer people are trusting what they're reading in newspapers or seeing on TV. You know, I see all these reports of, you know, cases and kids are growing, which would make sense because cases are growing in general, right? Um, are they growing at the same proportion? Um, I saw there was a doctor on Good Morning America yesterday um, who was working at a children's hospital who said that, well, our in the last, I'm trying to think of the period, I should have had this up uh, and written here at the top of my head, um, but in the last, let's say, month, their pediatric ICU uh, cases have doubled, but we never get the actual number. I See, I want a number with these things, and, and I do want, when we're talking about cases, I do want someone to differentiate between age and uh, make a uh, make a, a point to differentiate between a runny nose and an ICU visit uh, or a runny nose and something more serious or asymptomatic or something like that because that's the data that's going to help parents make decisions and help school districts make decisions. I, I mean, because if we're talking doubled, the last time we spoke with Oshai Children's Hospital, and, and this has been true for much of the last year and a half, they've had a handful at most of uh, kids hospitalized with COVID, um, and, and the number's been zero. So double zero is zero. <laughs> I mean, you could say that, but even, you know, double one is two. I, I, I want to see the actual numbers so that I can make a, a good decision on this instead of, you know, just hearing all these terms thrown out. And I, I do think it is important to question what you say, especially when you're dealing with something as important as your kids. I, I feel like you can be seen as like a, a, it's a Doubting Thomas situation, right? Because I need to see things with my own eyes, and that's what I've, uh, I've learned over the last several uh, months here. You know, it, he's seen a guy walk on water but still won't believe he's walking around town uh, until he sees it with his own eyes. And, and the, but that's true for most people. You can hear from the most esteemed doctor in the world, if it runs counter to what you've experienced in your own life over the past several months, you're not really going to take it as seriously. And when it comes to the idea of a mask mandate, and if it works, I, you know, we can hear from doctor after doctor after doctor that, you know, this works. And I, I don't doubt that they believe it and they have great reason to believe it. But when I'm seeing something different from my own eyes, it it, it leads you to question, and it's okay to question that, especially when it comes to what's going to happen in schools, and why would you question it? Well, why don't we go over to Los Angeles? Uh, Los Angeles was the uh, one county in L.A. County over in California where they reinstated their mask mandate, right? They did that uh, about, it's almost been a month since they've reinstated their mask mandate, so let's find out what's happening in L.A. COVID-19 hospitalizations here in L.A. County have nearly doubled in the past two weeks, from 745 on July 26th to now 1,437 people in L.A. County alone who are hospitalized with COVID. 
And some new data points from May 1st through July 17th. The county says 92% of the hospitalized with COVID here were not fully vaccinated. Wait, wait a second. So you mean to tell me that a month after they've put back the mask mandate for the county, cases are doubling in the past two weeks? Now, that wouldn't jive with the idea that a mask mandate is going to stop and slow the spread. And it's not just the Los Angeles example. We've seen this not match up in both ways. I mean, listen, we've seen mask mandates be lifted and cases go up in certain areas of the country. I've seen mask mandates be lifted and cases go down and not go up anytime soon. I've seen mask mandates be put in place and cases go up. (laughs) You know, you've seen the opposite. And there doesn't seem to be any clear correlation that you would assume there is when such a loud consensus of uh, news stories and doctors are all saying that masking and a mask mandate is the way to go. So when what I'm seeing with my eyes doesn't match up to what I'm hearing over and over again, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's going to lead to some sort of question. And it's totally okay to question that. And I think you have to also take into effect and into account that nothing happens in a vacuum when you're about to put a mask mandate on somewhere. The pushback to that, the outcry, in my opinion, is something that has to be considered when you're putting these new mandates in place, right? The destruction of public discourse, the increased distrust you have in one another, right? If you see someone with a mask versus without a mask or something like that, how angry, how on edge we are, a splintered society is becoming uh, if these things are talked about and put into place. And I believe here they are. If you listen to our caller who's uh, on a school board, right, Uh, not that long ago, he said that he believes that it will be a recommendation and not a mandate. And then, you know, everyone can kind of make their decision process from there on what the recommendation could be. I I believe that's why we're not seeing a mandate in Erie County right now is because that uh, realization is being made, right, that we have to take into account the big picture of how much is a mask mandate going to do for good versus how much is it just going to further erode, you know, everything we see, erode the conversation, erode trust, whether that be trust in the vaccine or whether that be trust in what we're hearing day after day, right? And I think right now we're teetering that line. And in my opinion, over the past couple of weeks, they've been doing a good job of walking that line, of not making that mandate because of this, but they're making the recommendation. And you can decide what to do with that recommendation, right? Because uh, we are able to make decisions with assumed risk. Vaccinations widely available. If you have not gotten a vaccine, you've likely chosen that status. Schools are a flashpoint because that's one of the few, if any, situations where the kids have not chosen that status, right? But what we do know from kids is still... They show this tremendous, I don't know, immunity is the wrong word to use, but this tremendous resilience to COVID that's not seen in older age groups. Uh, Young people can infer that they have a high degree of that natural resilience. 
against a severe outcome from COVID because we've seen it time and time again. Uh, you don't get those really bad outcomes at any sort of scale for kids under 18, I mean, really under 25. And you look, there's a reason why when they show the amount of deaths and uh, hospitalizations, they break things down by age group at a county level. When you see that slideshow every week or every other week, that the lowest age group is under 40. I mean, that's a pretty big age group there. It's under 40. And it's the lowest number for sure in the largest age group. But it's because it is younger. Now, I, I think all this has to be taken into consideration when making these types of, whether it's a recommendation or a mandate for schools and wearing masks. And another thing that I brought up in our interview earlier this morning, uh, we had Larry Scott on, who's a member of the Buffalo School Board, and we talked with him a little bit about this. And I, I mentioned before in the show, I'm a husband of a teacher there are other things that need to be taken into consideration. So my wife teaches um, phonics, I think. she's. I, I always say she's a reading teacher. To her official uh, wording terminology for it, I always tell her, I'm like, I normal people who are not teachers don't know what any of this means. So I just say reading teacher. Uh, but she helps kids who, who need a little bit more uh, help, whether that is uh, reading or with their vowel sounds and things like that. That's what I always see her working on and working with kids on, especially over the last year. She corrects me when I'm trying to teach our son. I was like, all right, he's, uh, here's a B. You know, what sound does the or the V make? That's the one I can do. It's, I'm like, V, V, like violin. She's like, no, stop. You're teaching him the wrong way. Don't, you're, you're, you're messing him up. It's v, not v, you idiot. Don't you know what you're talking about? Like, no, I don't know what I'm talking about, obviously. But and, and she is going to have to uh, wear a mask, right, in school. And, and I'm wondering, how are you going to teach in, a, in usually a one-on-one -on -one or a small group setting? How are you going to teach those subtle changes to kids while you're wearing a mask? I mean, it doesn't make sense. And those are things you have to see the way you're speaking, right? And that is a big part of school is, you know, learning to talk, learning to communicate, learning uh, the proper sounds and how to create language. And she says she doesn't know. I mean, there might have to be situations where you take the mask off to properly demonstrate. Now, Larry Scott, who we had on, said, well, we're looking at masks that have little windows into the mouth so you can see each other's mouth. And I... You know, listen, I appreciate the effort. I, I don't want to make fun of it, but, I mean, it just sounds so ridiculous. I, I mean, if you're going to tell me, and this is where you nothing happens in a vacuum, you take the greater picture, if you're going to tell me that my fully vaccinated wife poses a greater uh, danger to somebody who has an extreme resilience to COVID because they're very young, that that danger is greater than the danger of kids not learning how to properly communicate because they've missed a year in school and now they can't see the teacher's mouths when they're trying to tell them sounds. I, that doesn't compute to me. That, that trade-off is not equal which is, I think, why we kind of got into the local decision-making, having parents make their voice heard. And we heard that from one of our callers early on, Ryan, who said, he sits on the school board. He said, listen, now is the time 
to make your voice heard. There's not too many more options. There's not too many more opportunities. There's not too many more school board meetings for you to be able to call in, right, and say, hey, this is what we're looking at. Uh, Mike is in Fort Erie, and you're on WBEN. How's it going, Mike? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm really enjoying your show, and you're you're like preaching to the choir. Um, our our experience over here is a little different, but I just wanted to share uh, um, with you what, what you know what a lot of what you said I I relate to. Number one is that when I walk out the door, I don't see the pandemic that's being described on uh, 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 on these fear campaigns in, in in the media on TV and by our government. And, and I deal with people all, all, actually all over the world, but all over the United States and all over Canada. And over the past year, I, I, I always ask them, do you know anybody that has COVID? I know people that have been sick from COVID and recovered, including my wife, but to die. And the only examples that I, are, are a handful of examples of people that were in long-term care facilities that were on their way out anyway. And so just uh, kind of um, uh, last October 6th, I, I finally thought I was going crazy because I couldn't equate what I was seeing in, in, in reality in my day-to-day life and what my friends and colleagues and acquaintances were seeing and what was being portrayed in, in the media. So I started recording the I, I, there's a there's a website called Worldometers where they where they compile all the data globally and it's it's in line with Johns Hopkins and CDC uh, they they use 5,000 sources to give an accurate death count and case count as as reported globally so I I went on that website and I started tracking three countries their death per million rate the United States Canada and Sweden and the reason I picked United States is you're our largest partner. Um, I picked Sweden because they didn't do anything. They didn't do masks. They didn't have any shutdown. And 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 here and and I'll just share these numbers with you. So uh, as of August 6th, the U the U S uh, rate death rate per million is 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 uh, 890 people. So uh, 1800 1890 people die per 1 million population. So you take that 1890 and you multiply it by by 330, which is the million, right, which is the population of the United States, and you get get an accurate death count of what the CDC says U.S. Americans died. In Canada, our our death rate is 686, so uh, which is, which we're we're one-ninth the size of the United States. Those numbers don't, don't add up. The U.S. death rate is two and a half times greater than the Canadian death rate. But yet the experiences on both sides of the border seem to be very much the same, that this virus travels in waves, that it, 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 it affects the elderly or, and, and, and people with other, uh, with other issues. But the interesting thing is with Sweden, so the United States was at 1,890 the Canada's at 694. Sweden, that did nothing. Their death count is is uh, uh, is is 1438. But guess what? They haven't had a single person die in the last month, and they did nothing. 
they, they, you know, so, so all these mask mandates and social distancing, it doesn't seem to have any impact. And even the difference between Florida, let's say, and California that had two completely different approaches to this, and yet statistically the death rate and, and, and the hospitalization rate over the past year are roughly the same. Well, Mike, I, you know, I appreciate your bringing up kind of what I've been thinking of the whole time. Is that, listen, I'm no genius by any stretch of the means. But I can read these charts, right? And I can look at the curve of cases and I can look at the date where a mask mandate was put in place or taken off. And I can look at that throughout uh, different countries, through uh, the UK, through the US, different states, different areas. And you're seeing, uh, I mean, almost a different story being told uh, on a lot of these. And I think what would maybe make a difference here, Mike, is just the acknowledgement of that, right? And just a simple explanation. If I don't doubt, and here's the, I still have faith in every single person who is making the recommendation that a mask mandate is, you know, the right way to go. All I'm wondering is what makes you so sure uh, as opposed to what I'm seeing here, right? Uh, I, I want to know how can you still be so confident uh, despite, you know, some of the things that you brought up. And, and I think just a, a simple talking of that through would, I mean, you know, maybe it would bolster your opinion. Maybe it would turn your opinion around. But either way, it would just end that questioning and improve trust just a little bit. I, I agree. Well, that's that you, you're hitting the nail right on the head. This is all about there's two words, trust and fear. Everything, that, that, that New York Times headline, this is scary. Well, who is the U.S.? Well, was scary. Well, I just went out my door this morning. I still don't see scary. I'm, dri- I'm, on, I'm driving to Toronto this morning for a meeting. I don't see scary anywhere. I see thousands of cars on the road. I see, I, I see everything business as usual except, except for a fear campaign in the media and the government handing out money like there's no tomorrow. I, I, have a, I have a small business. The Canadian government never cared about my health. Believe me, you could walk down the aisles in our grocery stores to see how little our government cares about our health with the poisons that are in our food and the obesity problems and the diabetic problems and heart disease hey, we have in North America. Mike, Mike, I, I don't doubt you on that uh, that point there. And that's a that's a very important point, as we talked about earlier this morning, about a quarter of health clubs forced to close over the last year and a half. Um, something that you know maybe there should have been more of an emphasis on in trying to get people up and moving. Unfortunately, we have to go. We're running out of time, but I appreciate your call, and thanks for listening. Uh, to Mike out in Fort Erie, and uh, thanks to everybody else who listened out there. I, it's just something that could be done, right? I, if we can have that realization that, hey, you know, maybe people aren't questioning because they're listening to some crazy person online. Maybe people aren't questioning because they're so misinformed by some influencer out there. Maybe they're simply questioning because they're looking at graphs and numbers and what we're telling them, and they don't all quite add up. How can we explain that? It's a simple realization. It might go a long way. Thanks for listening, uh, Joe. We'll be back tomorrow, I think. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, here at BMAS and Beamer on WBEN. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. 
But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, Mom and Dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.